Hey everyone, Joe Soto here, and we've got a very special guest on today's show. We have Stu Heineke, and he has um, something very special to share with all of you, and it's his weed strategy. And this is one of the most unique business growth models that I've come across, honestly, since reading Blue Ocean Strategy. You do not want to miss this show today. So stay right with us. We'll be right back with Stu. This is the Not Your Average Joe Show, where each week we bring you sales, marketing, and mindset strategies you need to get to your next level. And now, here's your host, international business mentor, Joe Soto. Hey, Stu, welcome to the show. Good to be here with you, Joe. Listen, I'm a little hoarse today, so bear with me, but I'm going to give you a little bit more of an introduction. Um, for my audience, um, people can read your bio in the notes and all that and get all that good stuff. But Stu is somebody who I've recommended since like, I think 2016. I, I'm not sure when that book came out, but I think it was around probably that time or a little before 2016, 2017. I had been recommending his first book, uh, which was really a breakthrough book for anyone who in, who is in sales and marketing, how to get a meeting with anyone. I think it's listed as the top 64 sales books of all uh, of uh, in the world right now. Um, the AMA, which is the American Marketing Association, um, I believe, has coined you the uh, father of contact marketing, <laughs> which is brilliant and amazing. Uh, your principles, there's a few of the principles in the book I was doing before I read the book. And then the book spurred other ideas that I've since um, relayed to people in my courses, in my programs, in my trainings, in my mastermind. And, and um, I'm forever grateful for the work you've done. So I'm super happy you're here, Stu. Well, uh, Joe, thank you so much for having me on on the on the show, and and um, yeah, that's really cool because we were speaking. Well, we we've known each other for a few years now, and and um, and and so I, I appreciate all of your belief in what I'm doing and and support. You know, well, the, the new author, book, great to hear you're giving it away. That's cool. <laughs> I'm going to hold up the new book now because everyone knows um, that uh, I, I'm not. I do shameless promotion if I if I if I get behind it, and this is one of them. So. Uh, your your latest book. We're going to talk about some of the strategies that are in it, and and really to give value today to people who are listening in, who will listen to the podcast after this gets distributed, um, on how to grow your business like a weed. Congratulations! This just came out in May, correct? Uh, just came out in June. It should have oh, been June. May. Okay, you no, know, it should have been like just when the weeds showed up. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well. I don't know why I thought in May. I didn't. I bought it uh, in in uh, at the end of June, I believe, and I read it over a recent vacation. It was my go-to book. I, in fact, I only brought two books. I didn't get to the other one because this is one of the few books that makes me want to reread chapters and sit down with a notepad and say, "How can I use this?" You've got so many great promptings in the book. But what inspired the book? And then let's dive into a few of the principles and strategies. Sure. Yeah. You know, God, there's so and many. By the way, to- give a little bit more of your backstory because you've got an imp- incredible history. Um, you know, you're more than an author uh, and a business person. You are, an, you are an artist uh, and a cartoonist. So give us a little bit of backstory first. Sure. Sure. Um, I have this crazy background because I'm combining things that probably shouldn't be combined. I don't know, but um, so, I, you know, <clears throat> My my education is in back is in uh, is in marketing, but I've always been uh, I've always been really interested in cartooning, and so I became a cartoonist and ended up um, through cra- sort of crazy circumstance. I ended up mentoring with a lot of the top cartoonists from Playboy and the New Yorker, and 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 so 
um, you know, that that led to using cartoons. This was really kind of a big breakthrough for me. It was using cartoons in in direct mail campaigns, but with personalization. So if you, yeah. I don't know if, if you've seen these or not, but they were ubiquitous for quite a long time, and then direct mail fell out of favor. But if you ever got a mailing that had a cartoon about you on it, it was either from from me. Oh, like my clients, you know, but from from my studio or or it might have been a knockoff. There were a lot of knockoffs, but yeah. if it was funny, it was probably from us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, but but the thing that here's one thing that I realized from from all of that and from from the the book that you just held up earlier, how to get a meeting with anyone, that I've been my my role, and I knew my role has been this the whole time, but my role has always been to to create unfair advantages for my clients. So those came in the form of of campaigns that pulled more than they, their their earlier campaigns. And they com- they pulled in ways that, I mean, like the direct mail pieces, um, they were out there doing things that other direct mail pieces just weren't doing. I mean, they, yeah. they used to have all this teaser, they used to call it teaser copy, but you know, some sort of, some sort of kitschy line on the outer envelope to get you curious yeah. enough to open it up or, um, or maybe they'd send it with a window. It's the, you know, a window envelope with, with, with safety paper check. In other words, sort of the appearance of a check inside, <clears throat> but those were all gimmicky. Yeah. They were gimmicky and they were yeah. dishonest. <laughs> yeah. A lot. Yeah. A lot of times just dishonest people forget about, how dishonest marketing used to be for indirect mail. Now it's transferred online, unfortunately. Yeah, it's, it's but, always be there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but you know, with, with those cartoon pieces, people would stick them up on refrigerator doors. I mean, they were not throwing these things away. Yeah. So, because you made them laugh. I made them laugh and I touched them. I mean, I touched yeah. them. I mean, the humor is about truth um, revealed in a twist. And so, um, you know, when people got it, if they laugh, if they say, I get it, what this, what's really happening is they're saying deep down, I really, really agree with this. And I love this because look what it says about me. This is exactly yeah. how I feel about me or what I do or, you know, some, something I care about. So, so when, when the, when the cartoon showed up in that stack of mail, every, you know, every day, we used, we used to get huge stacks of mail and the cartoons would do in that stack of mail, what they were doing in publications, which was they were always the best read and remembered parts of the publication. So these became the best read and remembered parts of the yeah. stack of mail or every day. Worn out of the publications, most likely. Yeah. People but you can see though, all of that gives those clients a totally unfair advantage. Oh yeah. And so it wasn't until Let's see, you know, also a long time ago, there's the weed. The, here's where the weeds thing came from. I was driving down the, the freeway um, in the Santa Monica Freeway in L.A. And, you know, that's that's six lanes of traffic going this way, six lanes coming the other way. And, it, and this 40 foot wide median in the middle and all of its concrete. And it's yeah. none of it is a place for a plant to take root. But in the median and growing from a crack in the median, but this is one back when traffic used to move really fast. Yeah, you know, right. It does anymore. I don't know when that was, but okay. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was a while ago. And, and so, but so I whizzed by really quickly, but I spotted this dandelion growing out of a crack in the concrete median. And I, I just thought, I just sort of, I was, my head was flooded with thoughts. I don't know. That's weird because we drive by those things. We see those kinds of things. They're growing out of cracks everywhere. Yeah. That one time I just saw this happy little dandelion with happy little yellow flowers and, and those seed pods blowing the seeds out into the air. And, and it's kind of bouncing around in the turby, the, 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 the smoggy turbulence. And, 
And I just thought, man, that's really impressive because look, this thing, it just, wherever it's set up, wherever it found itself, and this, in this case, it found itself in a crack in the concrete. Amazing. That's about as inhospitable a place as you could find for a plant to grow. Because I'm sure there isn't a there there isn't water seepage under the I mean I don't even know how it did it but but weeds find a way yeah. and and so I, I thought that's just so impressive because wherever it found itself it was just gonna, it was just running its process and it looked happy doing it and and, um, and I thought you know I, I just I hope I can live up to that to that example and then whew, I'm gone or I'm past it but I, said, I hope I can live up to that example in my in my career and in my business because. That, that's just incredible. And, you know, it's, it's significant that it wasn't, let's say, an app, you never see apple trees growing out of cracks in the country, no, no. No freeways no. or petunias, because quite frankly, those plants, those trees, they don't have what it takes to be a weed. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so they don't have what it takes to be a weed. What is it about weeds? What are they, do they have a model? I mean, what what is it that they do? What What sets them apart from all the other plants? And by the way, are they a different species or is it just, and, and you know there are of course there are different species of plants, but are they a completely different genus? Genus, let's say. Um, no, they're just you know one of the first sets of people that I spoke to about the book or for the book was was um, gardeners <laughs> and just find out what are weeds. And yeah. you know some gardeners tell us that um, weeds are just a, a plant out of place, but as you I, you read through the book, you know there are weeds that are just I mean they're just alien. They're they're so. They are so um, extreme in what they do, and and uh, and so they're, they're, I mean, like a dandelion is the is the weed we're most we're most um, used to. And uh, you know, if you see one in the lawn, you might you might actually you might see one in the lawn, and you look up, you'll see you know dozens of them at least. And if that's happened, you're not going to get rid of it. Um, but and and, and no matter that, how hard you try, <laughs> no matter how how hard you try. Now, so every one of those plants, every one of the dandelions, they produce about 15,000 seeds across a five to 10 year lifespan. So that's all it takes for, for that to never go away. But you might remember that there was a, there was a weed, we might talk about it later, but there was a weed that produces 4.8 million seeds per plant. That's, yeah. they're, they're, they are not just weeds. That are, I mean, plants that are out of place. They're right. alien. They're, they're so well-equipped to grow and spread and dominate, dominate new turf and protect their, their turf and so on, that they were certainly worth studying. Well, you, the languaging that you're using, even people could start to hear the metaphor as it relates to their business. As you talk about weeds, just in just conversationally and casually, you're using languaging that people perk up to. Um, you start off by talking about, you know, what you call in the book, unfailing resilience of that weed that can grow anywhere. You also reframed weeds for everyone very quickly when you said um, that most, most don't have what it takes to be a weed. The plants don't have what it takes. And for somebody who's wanting to grow their business, you know, most aren't doing what it takes to grow their business. And you lay out this model of exactly what it takes if you follow this this, the, a process that you modeled from weeds, which is genius. Okay, so uh, let's let's talk a little bit. I have several uh, pieces of, of favorites in here, but you talk about in the book and 
and uh, in several places. In fact, in, at, at the end of the book, you kind of recap with these mindset affirmations, I think it is. I even had it marked out. And I'm like, this is brilliant. He's, he's talking about, you know, the we mindset daily affirmation. Um, but how, how, tell us how a plant, how, how a weed can have a mindset and how can that relate to our business and how important is it? Yeah, well, well, you know, the first thing I love about this question, Joe, is we're not talking about this kind of mindset. Right. You know, right. We're looking some dubs. It's not not the weed we're talking about. That's right. We're not talking about that. Way, hello, Cynthia. Yeah. See, I just saw that flash across the screen. Yeah. Um, and thank you, Rex. Uh, but but so we're not talking about that kind of mindset. We're talking about this fierce mindset that's evident when you, uh, let's say, when you cut down a weed, <laughs> they grow back immediately. Go, they go back to work growing back immediately. Um, they, they just they they just have this fierce, fierce mindset. And, and you might wonder, well, how on earth can something without a brain have a mindset? But. I think there's there's sort of a collective intelligence to to plants. It's different from ours, but it is it's unfailingly there. It's and and they they evolve around obstacles to their to their growth, and um, there's just this incredible intelligence to them. But one thing that they lack is emotion, as far as I know, as far as I can tell, they lack. They don't have emotions. They don't like the weed that was in the freeway. Yeah, it wasn't probably wasn't saying because it looked kind of even optimistic to me because it's just it's spewing out. It's doing what it's supposed to do, and it was doing it with with great vigor and and, and urgency. And um, that's and not obstacles the around it everywhere. Yeah, I mean, but that's not the way we act when we're depressed, right? So, so sort of the, it looked optimistic. And the thing that I I, I think probably we could we could say is true is that it probably wasn't sitting there in the middle of the freeway saying well this sucks i really saw myself as living at the beach which is what we would do you know that's right yeah we, we just let emotions get in our way all the time so i think one of the lessons of looking at weeds as though they have this mind or what the weed mindset is or could be we're translating it of course but um is that they don't let they allow they they let their actions how do I put it? They would tell us to lead uh, lead with our actions rather than our emotions, rather than the other way around, which is what we always do. When we get depressed, we get angry, wh whatever it is, frustrated, because maybe we're not making enough progress, or or we really saw ourselves as doing something else. So I don't know. Whatever it is, all kinds of things get in the way. But weeds never let that get in the way because it doesn't. They don't have those emotions. They don't. It's they're not. They're never worried about what they thought they should have or you know, where they thought they should be. They, they just run, they just execute their process. And and so um, so the, the mindset of a weed, as I see it, is there, there are six, well, I said six elements, there are a few more that have occurred to me later, but 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 optimism and, and persistence, they're obviously very persistent. They're urgent and aggressive. They're adaptive, I mean, supremely adaptive. And, and they're, they're, um, uh, they're oh god! I lost the last one. It's the most important one. They are um, they're not prolific. Well, prolific, yeah, that would be a good one. They're resilient. That was what the resilient, word I was searching for. They're, resilient. Resilient. they're absolutely resilient. But you know, one of the one of the cool things also about weeds is that um, they are they're, they're they're highly collaborative. I mean, again, I was talking about the dandelion in your lawn. If you see one, look up. You'll see. Yeah. dozens or more and 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 the fact is that if there was just one showing up it wouldn't be much of a factory you pull it out you're done but that's not the way they operate they operate at scale and so they never do anything alone they're they're just 
incredibly collaborative. So I would say that's part of their mindset as well. Yeah, th- this is this is where we were talking prior to getting on here together about this alliance, the concept of creating alliances. You know, the weeds create their their ecosystem, these alliances, so they they can feed off of each other and grow and and um, support each other essentially. And I shared with you that when I first moved to Virginia, and we had a restaurant marketing arm of our business, we I could have went and just tried to the traditional way of just calling on restaurant owners, but I'm new to the area. I, they, know, they don't know me here. And so the first thing I did was start reaching out to people who sold to restaurants, who, who sold them their knife sets, who sold them their, their uh, POS systems, who sold them their insurance, who sold them their, who was their wine rep, you know? And I literally took them to coffee. And I never forget one time, a gentleman who sold them uh, credit card processing showed up with a person that sold a wine rep. And, and he goes, she also sells the restaurants, Joe. And he just brings her. And I'm like, well, this is fantastic. Because um, I can help you guys look good to your clients if you can help me infiltrate the market here and get into restaurants. Before we knew it, we had dozens of restaurants as clients. Um, And so the scale could happen because of that alliance strategy of which I got from you. A lot of people don't know that. So you expand upon it in this book so wonderfully. And like I said, um, for people listening, if you missed the beginning, I, I shared this is, I think... There's a couple of people that stand out or books that stand out. Tom Peters' book, In Search of Excellence, when I was really young and I read that book, um, Blue Ocean Strategy, which I've recommended for years, was, I think, a groundbreaking book on business growth. And this is the first one since then that I think is in those categories, is in that category. So if, you, wow. if you're watching this and you've read Blue Ocean Strategy and that was seminal work to you and you read that and it's helped you in your business to think about differentiation, I think you take it further. I think you dive into it better um, in your book with your principles around, you call it the Rosette strategy for creating that, con- that unfair advantage in the marketplace. And you have promptings in each chapter that stop and make you think and make you reflect on application in your business, which a lot of books miss doing it in the way that I think you, that you do it. So that's you know awesome. So let's talk about that. You call it the Rosette the Rosette strategy, if I'm saying that right. Um, yeah, Rosette, yeah. Yeah, and and uh, I, I would like to talk about that one. And then the other one, before it escapes my mind, is um, I think it was the Thorn strategy, you got to forgive me if I got these wrong, where you talk about taking inventory of your intellectual capital, which I love that because, some, first of all, some people don't think they have any. Uh, small business owners, yeah. small you know entrepreneurs, some of the people watching this might be consultants or independent entrepreneurs going, do I really have any intellectual capital that I can capitalize on? So let's talk about unfair advantage and maybe how they can use that as an unfair advantage for, for them. Sure. And by the way, before I even do that, I want to acknowledge your comment because it's not, I don't, I wouldn't take that lightly that, that, um, that you would compare this to, uh, to blue ocean strategies because actually blue ocean strategies was my bogey when I wrote this book. I thought, okay, I want to, I want to displace, Blue Ocean Strategy, actually. Yeah, you are. There's anything wrong with Blue Ocean Strategy, but no. I, I just I think it has the potential to replace Blue Ocean Strategy as the go-to business growth strategy book and, and yeah. model, really. But um, and you also said I, I also need to acknowledge this other one that you talked about um, about your your strategy of of collaborating with. I, I don't know that these would really be considered. Um, 
I mean, they weren't really they they were uh, they they aren't competitors to your no. to your to your business. They were they were complementary. But that you went out and created those those alliances. That's kind of like the number one takeaway from from uh, weed from weed strategy. And don't just take one though. Take the whole thing. Right. I mean, you got to read the whole thing. But 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 the the first thing you any all of us should do is form those alliances quickly and. Um, and you did that, and, and I'm just, I'm, I'm like, I'm just so tickled to hear your story because that's classic weed strategy. And I would say um, you're kind of a total weed. That's, you know, it's the highest compliment I can pay. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. He's got just so you guys know, he's got uh, it's, it's eight, right? Eight yeah. parts to his weeds model. And I'm, I'm telling you, it's at first. I'm going to be honest. At first, I was trying to wrap my head around because it's such a reframe to think about weeds and what you can learn from weeds for growth. But it anchors in so many points as you go through your model. Like, I don't forget, I read the book and I'm remembering, I don't know if I got the thorn strategy is the right one for intellectual cop, uh, property. But yeah, yeah, no, you did. Yeah. yeah, I did. So that tells you of the job you did writing to anchor in and cement concepts for memory. Because how many people here read a book and then you forget most of what you read later? Now, something that helped me was I did take a lot of notes out of the book. And um, uh, when I when I had gotten the book and started to read it, I reached out to Stu and said, "We got to we got to get you on on the show here. This is this is this is incredible." And then I read the book after he agreed fully on vacation. Um, anyways, let's dive into yeah oh yeah yeah differentiation unfair advantage. How can they use this strategy, the Rosette strategy? How can they use this to create this unfair advantage? Because we have a lot of small business owners on here wondering how it applies to them. Well, you know, I think the first thing you have to realize is that if you don't have, and I might even want to back up and just say the way that weeds win, their their universal model is that they leverage a fierce mindset. We've talked about that a little bit and unfair advantages against collective scale. And they do it according to a process. And that process, their process is millions of years old, but it's able to adapt, you know, like in that scale instantly to uh, to challenges and evolve around them. So 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 it's those four those four elements of of mindset and unfair advantages which you could think of as force multipliers but unfair advantages and collective scale and process. And without those four elements we don't we just we we won't survive in business. And so and certainly won't thrive. I mean, that's not really, we don't want to do it just to survive. Yeah, especially in turbulent times where we have to separate ourselves right now. Yeah, but you know what's what's really cool about weeds is that they live for disrupted ground. I mean, or just disruption. So disrupted ground is like in farmland and and our yards are disrupted. (laughs) We've disrupted the ground and it creates huge openings for them. And um, and I think that I think one of the things that's really exciting is that well look we're we're heading into we are in a recession actually God knows what we're heading into but we know that weeds actually thrive in those kinds of conditions so I think weed strategy is going to become even more of a of a a, a must use tool for for growth and dare I say even survival <laughs> during those times but certainly I think thriving during those times yeah but so you were asking about about a couple of the, the eight levels of, of strategy. And so there's seed and seed pod and thorn and segmentation and rosette, um, fine root and soil strategies. And all of those are meant to help you cultivate um, unfair advantages. And if you don't have unfair advantages in your business, I mean, you need them. If you don't have them, you don't have a reason to be in business. You won't be in business for long. 
that's that's what causes you to become so so competitive um, in the marketplace and to gain to gain. Uh, I mean, that's what causes the weeds to gain to gain ground, and that's the, the ground that they gain is analogous to us gaining ground in in our markets. And so, um, so you, but you asked specifically about Thorn strategy. Well, we all have. I'm pretty sure we all have IP. I have kind of an extreme example of it in my own my own business because. I'm a cartoonist. I've been, I'm, I'm one of the Wall Street Journal cartoonists. I've been cartooning my whole career. Yeah. And so I've, and you know, the, uh, just as an outgrowth of all of those campaigns that I did for the direct marketers, I have this image bank of about 1500 uh, cartoons that are all, they're all personalized. The, uh, this, there's no other image bank of cartoons like these anywhere. So I use these constantly in, in my, in, in my contact marketing campaigns or in anything, yeah. actually, anytime I want to reach anyone, you know, yeah. anytime I want to show up to anyone, if all I have to do is send one of my cartoons, it's kind of like, who the hell is this guy? You know? yeah. It sets you apart. It's a differentiator. It's really tough to compete against that because it's an unfair advantage. Yeah. And, and I, I build a lot of these into my, into my business. And, 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 I think when you start thinking in this way, you'll start taking inventory of what are what your unique um, unfair advantages might be, and several of those can certainly be intellectual property. So, so you know, one of the people that I interviewed for the book it was really a, a, a thrill to interview him because he's he's the world's worst patent troll, <laughs> Dr. Nathan Mirvold, and 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 so he he. Um, he heads an organization that holds 30,000 patents and they go after anyone who violates those patents. Um, yeah. That's a thorn strategy and a half. That's really, really a, a thorny. Uh, like, you don't want to mess with, with Nathan Mirvold. <laughs> you, know? no. you just don't want to, you don't want to be in his crosshair. So, so it's, 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 so it's having those protections of legal uh, protections like trademarks and copyrights and, and, and patents, but it's also having the reputation, the known reputation of using them. As Nathan pointed out, hidden thorns are nowhere near as effective as, you know, thorns that are out in the open and known, they're known thorns. People don't, I mean, look at what the, what thorns do. You, you get pricked by one. Yeah. And you go, oh man, that hurt. Wow. And they get pricked by a bunch of, oh, geez, that hurts. Yeah. It's protecting, you the plant. protecting the intellectual property. Yeah. Yeah. But then you avoid it. It's so, yeah. so there, those are, that's about aerial denial, area denial. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's and keeping competitors or interlopers out. Stu, and, tell, tell me if I'm right in application of this for the smaller business owner you might be thinking, I don't have anything to patent. I, you know, I wouldn't trademark something. So do I really have intellectual property? And so the way that I've taken this information and took notes on how I would apply it, it's something I've been saying, but haven't done a good job of which is anybody could take ideas that they have and create their own frameworks, their own system, their own process. You know, you call it yeah. you know, the weeds model, right? And you have eight pieces to that and you can trademark the weeds model as your own because you came up with a framework for expressing your research and you, what, you, what you feel is a business growth strategy to explode your business. And it is. Um, so that was how I would look to apply. It's like if somebody doesn't feel like they have products or they really don't have, they're not, they're not have a specialized skill necessarily. They still can create things that they could trademark and protect. Yeah, they do. And I think the first thing the ideas can be protected. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, well, you, they'll be copied, but they can be protected. Yeah, and and um, and so if someone says, "I don't have a trademark, um, anything to trademark," I mean, you got to think about this. If you don't, if you feel you don't have anything to trademark, then mm, maybe you might um, want to rethink being in business because you like at least the name of your business should be trademarked. Yeah, but there might yeah. be, as you just said, and it's, I think that's so critical. You know, process is something that I used to think of before I wrote the book, before I researched this and then wrote the book. I used to think of process as as just this sort of bureaucratic speed bump. You know, it's like, oh, my God, I got to read manuals. And I don't want to. I just didn't want to. I want to figure it out. You know, yeah. but here's the problem with that. Um, process is really about the the. Um, the let's say the, the accumulation of expertise and experience and then and then uh, the mapping of that expertise across the the organization so if you've if you so first of all we all need process in our business if we don't have process we actually don't have a business you can't sell a business without a process that doesn't have a process so 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 you know recording your processes and, and honing these processes that is intellectual property and you should be protecting that because those processes are the same thing that you and I use to teach. Well, you have a, a, a very successful course. Um, I have some courses. I've got a new one coming up on weed mindset. And those are all processes. And, yeah. and those do need to be protected. You don't want some, you don't want to develop these things and then have someone else run off with them. So you do have intellectual property. And here's the thing. I, I want in the book, I suggested that you find an intellectual property attorney and you, you schedule a, a six month checkup, just like you do with a dentist. And you keep, uh, thank you, Brett, by the way. <laughs> thank you so much. Leave a review on, on Amazon or where you buy. <laughs> Leave a review. Um, but, but you, but, but run a six month, every six month, do a checkup. Have, I don't know, have lunch with, uh, with your attorney, with, with, with your IP attorney and, and, and review those things that you have that have come up that you're, that you're producing that should be protected because that's what's going to keep people out of your, out of your space. Um, and if you don't have that, then they, they'll roll right over you. So, so yeah, I mean, it, we all have IP. In, in, your, in your book, I'm going to jump to the next thing that stood out for me. But there's a lot of things that stood out. I can't jump to the next because there's too long, too many. I'd have to have you back for four more interviews minimum. Let's um, do it. Let's do it. <laughs> the, the, uh, in the, uh, uh, you talk about, I think it's in the, I, better, I should probably pull this up because I don't have the actual, you talk about multi- is it in the soil? Yeah, the soil strategy. You talk about multi-channel scale. And the book, The E-Myth, you know, like broke the mold on getting people to think about working on your business, not in your business. Again, you take that at a much deeper, more here's how level. Okay. And, uh, you know, I think this is where you're surpassing some of these books that I know people have in their top 10 best business books on their bookshelves. And this book will, I think, hit that for anybody listening who picks up the book is going to agree with me. And the multi-channel scale process, so you can get that leverage that you need and not be owned by the business, right? I know I know a lot of entrepreneurs who feel like they have a job. They, they just made a job for themselves. They created a yeah. job for themselves. Yeah. Um, a lot of my audience are digital marketers and digital consultants, people that I've created courses for. I can't tell you how many times they're, they, they're stuck at scale because they're doing all the selling. They're doing, you know, all some administration work. They're doing the implementation, the execution of, of what it is, you know, 
and they get frustrated. Like, Joe, can you teach me about this Facebook ad new thing that came out? And I'm like, no, because there's plenty of people who can do that part. Um, so talk a little bit yeah. about that. Talk a little bit about multi-channel scale and how important this is. Yeah, well, so that, that actually in the, in the scale like a weed uh, section of the book. Yeah. And, and by the way, I just want to comment that um, you know, that you, you're saying that, that the book goes well beyond some of the other books you've mentioned. The reason it's not because I'm such a great strategist is because the weeds are, their, their model and their, their existence is so profound. They just exist to grow and gain ground. Thank you, Dan. <laughs> That's great. But to, they, they just exist to gain ground and, and, and protect their turf. I mean, just watch what they do. Good God. They're, they're just unbelievable. Thank you, Justin. Um, so, so that's why, I mean, I've, I, what I did was tapped into a perfected model in, in, in writing about, about weeds as a, as a business strategy model. So, um, so you, anyway, you were, we were talking about scaling. If you are part of the process, I, I'm sorry, if you're part of the deliverable uh, stream, then you're holding your business back. And here's, here's, this is what the weeds show us is that as human beings, we're taught to become self-sufficient. And, you know, I guess that maybe one of the first first ways that we encounter that is when we play musical chairs as a kid. Yes. You know, all, all of a sudden the music stops and if it's your first time, you go, well, where's, where's my chair? And the next time you just say, okay, now I get it. I've got to really watch this. Wow. Norway, cool. It is paradise on earth. <laughs> Thank you, Wikib. I was just, just in Denmark, close by. But anyway, so, but, but, um, um, you know, if, if uh, it, we're, we're taught to be self-reliant, so we will, um, in that musical chairs example, those, uh, you know, you, you just, you say, okay, now I'm watching like a hawk. I'm, when the music stops, I'm, I know where the chairs are. I'm grabbing one. And then you move on and you, we're taught to, to go to school and get study hard, get good grades, get into a good college, and then get a great job. But you can't scale, you can't have a thousand jobs. It's not scalable. So, so the point is that self, self-reliance is important. It's, it's critical. And I think entrepreneurs are the most self-reliant people on the, on the planet. Um, so we have a, we have a dilemma because yeah. we, we, all we on us. do almost any of these things ourselves. Yeah. We, we put it all on our own shoulders. I'm guilty yeah, of doing you, that too sometimes. When you do that, we all do it. I do it. Yeah. That was one of the things that I, you know, as I, as I was writing the book, I'm saying, oh my God. This is me. <laughs> what am I doing? Yeah. <laughs> so, so I've been stop, I've been changing that in my own operation. I, mean, I run a little agent. I run an agency, a contact marketing agency. So, yeah. um, but you know, oh my God, got to take ourselves out of the the stream of the deliverables because if you don't, then you are preventing yourself from from scaling. All of those self reliant things that were that were they're just they're part of our instincts. If we've got to sort of we've got to be careful with them because. Those will, we just sort of have to root them out actually, because they'll, they'll prevent us from scaling. And what we want to do is move from one to one leverage to multi channel leverage. And that's what we were, you and I have just been talking about earlier when, when you described your process with, uh, with, with restaurant marketing in the new, in the new, uh, uh, in a new market. I mean, you went out and you formed alliances with other people. That's multi channel leverage. And you saw how it worked. I mean, it, it changes the scale. Oh, yeah. And ultimately, we want to go to collective scale. So, uh, you know, I think I think what that probably means is productizing what we do. I mean, I, everything that I do when I, when I create campaigns to help sales teams break through, you know, the, usually it's with cartoons, um, and it's with these. Um, I'll show you. It's with. Um, 
this device, which I, I call a, a big board. And so it's, it's an 18 by 24 inch, quarter inch thick foam core board. Wow. And, and, and it's the cartoon is personalized about the recipient, it's like from direct mail days. And then yeah. on the other side, the message is from the sender to the recipient explaining who they are, why they want to meet and next steps. And, um, and those things, those things break through, but they, they cause meetings to happen where they weren't happening before. Um, and, and just for people listening, <coughs> excuse me, who might be thinking they have to become a cartoonist in order to have that type of success. No. There's other, you know, in your book, uh, of how to get a meeting with anyone. And, and also you touch on a few of these pieces in weed strategy, you know, and there's lots of different creative ways to do and model what you just saw uh, Stu show, which was this, this mail piece that looks amazing. Um, like for sitting video, for example, everybody can sign up with a, a, a vidyard or a dub and, and use that with a LinkedIn to do video outreach and differentiate yourself yeah. with a personal video message as an example. And there's a lot of different examples, but that's one way somebody can reach out and just immediately be different because people have been hearing about video for now years and using video, but not a lot of people are still using it because people get so hesitant. So it's still, I think, a way to create an unfair advantage. Yeah, always. And, uh, and, and, you know, by the way, yeah, you don't have to be a cartoonist to do the, the contact marketing at all. But, but the point I was going to make, though, about scale was that I'm right in the middle of the deliverable stream. I mean, I'm doing the creative and, yeah, uh, you know, yeah. if I'm on vacation, nothing happens, you know, those kinds of things. So, yeah. uh, um, so, so that, that's lower leverage. Uh, lower, you know. Much lower leverage. Yeah. Again, I, I, I was just as I was writing the book, I'm going, oh shit! So you <laughs> can't really make a lot of mistakes. But let's get back to what you said. You said that collective scale is, um, you think, productizing your business. And, yeah. And how do you productize it? What are some examples? Um, well, how do you I mean, productize yourself? Yeah. Well, I mean, like the big boards. Um, instead of creating every one of them new, I mean, I end up seeing, I, I end up creating prototypes that get sent out as campaigns. And that's wrong. So instead of just sending prototypes, turn them into a product that that can be sold um, through a lot of channels. And and so you'll see. I guarantee you will see this happen because I, you know I'm taking my own advice. And and you will see uh, you'll see products coming from uh, from a lot of the the big marketing platforms that have some of these like the personalized cartoon devices and in my book, I mean, I'm I'm turning my books into contact campaigns um, and they're set up so that you uh, they'll have really cool packaging and, and you'll be able to send them out or if you're, yeah, if if they're users of the campaign, well, they'll they'll be able to send these things out and the book will come out and it'll, it'll, um, it'll, it'll it'll still offer a, a, a chance to do a round table with me. And it's kind of part of the, how do I explain? I'm not explaining this really well. Let's say if financial, if, if a financial advisory firm became one of our clients for this, their their financial advisors be able to just go onto a, a, a portal and order one of these pieces to be sent out to one of their high net worth prospects, and um, and so the book would go out in this really cool packaging, and it would have a handwritten note and would say, "We, we really care about your growth, so I thought you'd enjoy this." this book, but also I wanted to, we, we have this kind of a special relationship with the author. So would you jump, be my guest and join us um, this next Friday for a round table about how you can grow your business. And, and so I love um, that idea. See that everybody that, could do that by the way. So, so people yeah. here, we've talked on, I had a, I had an episode a few episodes back 
from Steve Gordon, who's from the Unstoppable CEO podcast, talking about how everybody could use books to generate leads. And yeah, every, you know, people, it doesn't have to be a 200 page. I mean, this is, this, this is a, a body of work, what you created in my opinion. It's, 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 but there are smaller books you could write. There are booklets that you could technically could produce that still add tremendous value to somebody you might be contacting and reaching out to that you can leverage, you know, for sales and for appointments for your sales team, et cetera. And so that would be a way to apply what Stu's sharing here, you know, even on a smaller scale. I love that, um, that campaign and that suggestion. It's going to be a cool thing. And, yeah. and you know, I, I'm combining contact marketing with the book with growth, yeah. growth strategy. And, and, um, and so I'm, I'm really putting a lot of attention into the, into the, the packaging. When you get this thing, you're just going to be saying, you're wowed. Oh my God. I mean, like I just showed you the big board. Yeah. Which is a wow. <laughs> this, is, gonna... this is how they're, this is how they're packaged. So, so, and I've got, this one's kind of a mess because it's been sent, but it looks like, you know, it looks like something coming from a, maybe a cartoon art gallery and, and with all that, yeah. I don't know. So we're going to be awesome. the That's same wild. thing with the, with the, with the weed uh, book there, you know, God, there's this, one of the things that's really cool about weeds, about just about writing about plants, I guess, is that there's all these, this, this, um, this body of work, all these, Really, they're old. They're antique botanical renderings of all kinds of of plants, but certainly of the weed species. Um, they're just these beautiful. I kind of I, I reproduced one in, in on the the wall behind me, but these beautiful renderings of of weed um, weed species. So that's going to be all over the outer package, and you're going to look at it and go, "Wow, what is this?" Yeah. Yeah, and um, and that's going to help them break through. It's going to be it's going to be great. So, but that's a product because now I'm not in the I'm not involved in the in the delivery stream of of, of I mean of, of the deliverable stream because the books just go out. They'll call. They'll use the, um, the 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 order portal and and there's a there's a vendor waiting on the other end. They package out the book. They write out the note. They send it out the next day by FedEx. I'm not I'm not touching it. And that's the point. Other ways to prioritize. I know you have this. Um Weed Mindset Bootcamp. I'm not sure if it's live yet or if it's coming up. It's coming. Yeah, um, it's, coming. it's coming. So I'm not sure if, if people want, want to bookmark this, but you can go to weedstrategy.com. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. And um, I have it pulled up on a don't tab. Go, so. Don't go yet, though. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing there yet. Um, yeah. So, but bookmark that and I'll put it in the show notes by the time this goes out, maybe to be ready. But that's also a courses, membership sites, um, programs that have, you know, leverage. So you don't have to always be present and maybe you're present once in a while involved in those programs, but it doesn't demand so much of your time is another way of productizing. And, and uh, you definitely inspire that um, with these ideas. Awesome. I think people now are also seeing like, Oh, these are shock and awe packages he's sending out. And there's so many lessons that we're getting from you, Stu. Um, We're kind of running at the end of our time here, but this has been amazing. Um, How do people find you? They go to, let me pull it up here. They go to your website yeah. and they, you've got all kinds of good stuff on there as well. You know, I want to point out two things. If you go to, to stuheinick.com, that's my author site. So if you go yeah. there, the one thing that will pop up on the screen is you can get the first two chapters of the book free of, of how to grow your business like a weed. And if you go, if you, if you migrate to the right page, so the merch page, you can find t-shirts like this. Oh. So can, you, can you see that? Yeah, I love it. I'm, I'm sorry. Chief weed officer. Yeah. <laughs> 
anyway, uh, but there's there's merchandise or all kind of cool stuff I think there. That's on uh, your LinkedIn profile too, Chief Weed Officer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that's true. But um, yeah, so go there and, and and visit. And and you know, I saw a lot of comments. I didn't get to acknowledge all the comments, but thank you for joining us this morning and um, and and checking in. I saw one. I can't remember the name now, but one from Norway, which is pretty cool. I was just in Denmark. Yeah. Um, so not not in Norway, but close enough, I guess. Um, but uh, this has just been a blast. I, I just really, really appreciate it. And I, I just wanted to also ask if if you've read the book, please leave yeah. a review where you bought it. Yeah, I I uh, want to I want to second that. If if you've read the book or you get the book, leave a review. So many people just don't take that extra you know couple minutes is all it takes to to to, re to review books. And admittedly, you know I've read a lot of good books. Um, but I, I mentioned to you when I finished reading this that I definitely owe you a review also. Um, by the time somebody listens to this on the podcast, they'll see my review on there, but it's a genuine one. I only, I only recommend uh, books, people, programs that I 100% believe in. Um, and I, th I think your, your book is a workshop uh, in growth. So congratulations. You've, you've done something really, really promising, I think, for everyone in business who's some, you know, are navigating tough times right now. And I think that this is a, this is light at the end of the tunnel for people who get stuck in growth. I, I think so. And I think, you know, um, I think actually weed strategy is going to be a, a way to thrive during these tougher, tougher times that are, that I think are coming. Dan says, Justin's the chief weed officer. Chief weed officer. Yeah. Because Ju Justin has a CBD company. And uh, <laughs> okay. so that's why he's yeah, he, too, he, he truly is. Yeah. He truly <laughs> is. Be talking about that mindset after all <laughs> yeah he's uh he's he's on a mission to heal the world with it so he's he's uh doing amazing things that's cool uh, on the other that's side cool. of on the other side of the weed strategy <laughs> um thanks so much for being here Stu. Stu, I'll, I'll um connect with you here in a second but for everybody listening thanks for taking the time to join us for watching this if you're catching the replay hopefully you get some good notes out of this and some insights i know everybody who watches and listens can get some good insight out of this to grow their business so thank you Stu. we're going to have you on again sometime hopefully Thank you again. Thank you so much for having me on. All right, you got it. Tune in next week for the Not Your Average Joe Show with international business mentor Joe Soto.